Jesus, you change everything. You change everything. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for your spirit moving amidst us now. And Lord, we say, have your way, Lord, have your way. Have your way today. Have your way in us. You are welcome here. You are glorified here. You are worthy of all our praise. Church, let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. Glory. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. Glory to you. Glory to you. It's wonderful to be together. Uh, I have a couple of quick announcements because next week is going to be very different. So uh, we have one service next week, only at 11 o'clock. Uh, for those of you who are new, the marathon, the Flying Pig Marathon, comes right around our community, and you can't, you can't get in here at 9 o'clock. So what we do instead is we go out and cheer the runners. Um, we'll be offering prayer. Uh, Anna and her band will be playing music between about 8.30 and 10.30. And then we will come here for the 11 o'clock service. And uh, we will have baptisms. And also, uh, we'll continue our study in 1 Corinthians, and I will be looking at chapter 13 and talking about what is love. So, uh, look forward to seeing you next week at 11. Okay? Okay, good. Um, and also, the next, uh, this coming Thursday night, so this coming Wednesday night, we'll be worshiping here, and I'll talk a little bit about that as I do the message, uh, but we also are celebrating the two-year anniversary of the prayer canopy, and we're having a prayer and worship evening at Anderson Hills United Methodist uh, over on Forest Road. It's just off of Five Mile from 7 to 9 p.m. Thursday night, so uh, if you are seeking more of the Lord and more opportunities to praise Him and glorify Him, uh, you can join Him with us on that. All right, so we are working through 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, we began our series about six weeks ago, had a great sharing time last Sunday. So here's what we've done so far in 1 Corinthians 12. First of all, the gifts of the Spirit we learned in the first three verses uh, are uh, begin. They begin with the, with the Spirit enabling us to say Jesus is Lord. Enabling us to see him as the King and Messiah who he is. Then that very same Spirit is in, at work in each of us in very different ways. And we listed a whole number of different gifts so far and we haven't even just begun. We've only just begun. Uh, but every believer gets at least one gift, and the purpose of that gift is to bring good to the body, to the common, bring good to others for the common good. We saw that in verse 7. Many gifts involve learning to hear God's voice, and we're going to be uh, looking at that actually this Wednesday night. We're going to be spending some time listening and hearing God's voice and practicing that because it's the gateway to the Christian life to begin with. It's our inheritance as adopted sons and daughters of the king to hear his voice and to be able to follow his voice. But also, for many of the spiritual gifts, that's absolutely essential. 
that we hear his voice and be able to bring that into the daily operation of our lives. And then uh, we are to ask for spiritual gifts, especially the greater gifts. We are to constantly be asking, and yet we know that whatever gift we receive is by the will of the Spirit as he determines. So it's up to him to grant the gifts, but it's up to us to ask. And that's, there's a tension there, isn't there? We talked about that last week. Uh, every part, every person in this body is being formed by the Holy Spirit into one body. Some of us are ears, some of us are eyes, some of us are hands, some of us are feet, in the analogy that we'll look at today. But we all are part of the body, and everybody needs to bring their whole selves for this body to be the body that Jesus intends it to be. And then uh, baptism, or filling of the Holy Spirit, uh, lets us know that more is always available, that the infinite God can uh, never run out of resources for us spiritually and to put those into our lives as he wishes. So the gifts from the Lord are literally his love for us, his manifestation of his love and his presence in our lives as a, as a reminder. And, and the, the writer of the Hebrews said it this way, this salvation... This is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, by Jesus, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So this is the Lord's love, and it is part of his testimony, how he uh, testifies to himself through you and through me and through this body together. He testifies to himself through these gifts and these abilities that he has given us. And just at, as we discussed at Pentecost, he changed the dress from the temple into the mobile temple called the church. And that's what we saw happening at Pentecost with the flames coming on them. The presence of the Lord was moved to these mobile temples. That's you and me, and together as we operate as a body. So today, we're going to look at God's uh, stunning design for the body of Christ. And uh, Paul is going to use an analogy. So the title of today's message is United in Diversity. We are, as I said, the, children's of, the children of God gifted to reveal his glory to the world. And even in Ephesians, it says, reveal his glory to the heavenly beings. So this is part of his plan, part of his gifting to us. So I'm going to read uh, the, next, uh, the, the last uh, part of chapter 12, and I'm going to start in verse uh, 15. So we finished last week in verse 14, and that the body is made up of many parts. Uh, not one part, but many. So let's continue on with the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 
But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. These are the very words of God. Father, we ask now, as we look at this text, that you would uh, open our eyes to the beautiful, sophisticated, complex, diverse design that you have for the body of Christ, and that each of us would take our place in all humility, in all joy, and that each of us, uh, Lord, would experience the joy of committing ourselves to one another as the body, acting in concert, acting together, bringing salt and light to the world around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so for today's message, we're going to do it with four parts. I'm going to teach through the text uh, more briefly than normal. Then uh, my friend, Pastor Ofer Amitai, is going to come, and he has a word for us, um, and so he's going to share. Uh, Pastor Ofer and his wife, Chris, are visiting with us here. Uh, do you just want to stand for a second so we can encourage you and acknowledge you? If, uh, if you've been to Israel with us, then we've worshipped together at Pastor Ofer and Chris's congregation. It's called El Royi, uh, which means the God who sees us from Genesis 16. So uh, it's a beautiful congregation in Jerusalem, and uh, we worship with them. And if you uh, haven't been to Israel, you've probably heard Pastor Ofer teaching here before. He's a great friend to our body and uh, an encouragement to our body. So he'll speak. Then I'm going to open it up to testimonies from you, the congregation, on how you have experienced uh, the working of the body of Christ uh, in your life. And that gives you an opportunity to share and encourage with the rest of the brothers and sisters here uh, how this text has come to life uh, in your experience, in your life, in your family. And then uh, we're going to bring it all together by celebrating communion according to the overall point 
of 1 Corinthians 12. And that is simply the understanding and experience uh, that we uh, receive each other and commit to each other as members of the body that we will have all that we are and all that we have available to the body as directed by the Holy Spirit. That's the main point of what we're going to be looking at today. And we'll celebrate that in communion. And we'll do communion a little differently than we normally do uh, for that purpose. All right, ready to go? Okay, so let's look at the text. And I've broken it up into four sections. So the first point is that God places each of us in the body. You are not here by accident. God has placed you here. He has drawn you here either through the recommendation of a friend or a neighbor who invited you, uh, but you have been brought to this body uh, intentionally by the design of God. And this is true of every congregation all over the earth. God is arranging all the parts of the body, and so you're not an accident. And this congregation needs uh, to have God having placed you here because that's where the Spirit will be able to guide and flow through your life and bring you to bring maximum attention, uh, maximum value, maximum impact uh, in the kingdom because you are placed by hand by the creator of the universe into this sacred assembly. And that's also true of the body in our city and the body around the world. Every single person is there placed by Jesus. The second point is that God wants us to be interdependent and he wants us to honor one another. And there are some parts of the body that require more modesty and he's of course using the analogy of the human anatomy and some of the parts are hidden. You can't see my kidneys right now. And some of the parts deserve special modesty and we can assume he's talking about our reproductive parts. But that means that some of us are going to be perhaps more noticeable than others. And he does talk about the greater gifts. He does, and that word greater gifts that he asks us to seek for, that's, that's the word mega. So some, some gifts are perhaps more noticeable when someone prophesies and they tell you something they would that, that, that is going on in your life and the decision you need to make and they tell you the decision that the Lord's pointing towards, that's pretty, that kind of can be amazing. But also, when you come into someone's home who loves the body of Christ, who's humble and who serves you an amazing meal, then you also experience that very same love, that very same spirit, that very same, and it, it may be more understandable in the natural, but as we talked about last week, a spiritual gift is not a spiritual gift until the Holy Spirit occupies your life. In other words, until you pledge faith and allegiance to the Messiah and your, your life is filled with the Spirit, you cannot exercise spiritual gifts. That's just gifts in the natural. And those, those things uh, that are not done in faith are not pleasing to God. But those things that are done in faith, empowered by the Spirit, uh, makes every single gift spectacular. And we may, in the human realm, see it differently, but they are all required. And so we need to be all in. 
all in to serving this body. When somebody's suffering, we need to be all in to come around them and suffer with them. When they're being honored, we need to come around them and celebrate with them. But that each part of the body would have this equal value in God's sight, this equal honor in God's sight so that there would be no divisions. And again, over the church's history, spiritual gifts have been divisive because the enemy tries to undo their essential nature, which is that we are given these gifts by the Holy Spirit for unity. For unity in our diversity. That's why it said last week, we looked at the text, we drink from the same Spirit. And that goes for children. We keep reminding ourselves, and you parents, there is no junior Holy Spirit. And the same Spirit can work in the life of a child. And we need to be alert to that and ready for that. So he wants interdependence and honor for all members of his body. The third point uh, that I take out of this text in verses 27 and 28 is that God places the gifts in the body with an order in mind. When we get to chapter 14, we're going to talk about God's penchant and his nature is to be ordered. Uh, now, he, uh, Paul writes that, you know, first apostles, second prophets, and, and again, he's not talking about importance. They're all equally valuable. If the people who are teaching don't do their job, then the thing falls apart. So what he's describing, I believe, is the essential process of planting a congregation. An apostle who, who might be somebody like a Dave Heidenreich, one of our mission partners, or somebody like a David Heath, will go into a geography where there's nothing. And they will begin to cultivate people of peace, they will begin, they, they are apostolic, they're starting the work. The prophets come in next and they bring forth the word of God, they bring forth the prophetic uh, anointing that allows them to identify and direct that work uh, as God would have it directed. And then the teachers come in and start discipling and unpacking the Bible and letting people know how to live for Christ. And so the body keeps going, and then miracles may come, uh, gifts of healing may come, people may begin to speak in tongues, they may be able to interpret those tongues. So you have, I believe, more of a chronological process going on here that Paul, and, and God's given, an order, given this thing in order. Now, when we think about those uh, new works in new geographies coming up or new works among a new people group. This is the process that I believe Paul is alluding to. And he, of course, has experienced this in Corinth. He's experienced this in Ephesus and according to his letters. So this is what uh, the order is. But there's also the, the reality that some of the gifts, as I've alluded to earlier, are a little bit more uh, what Paul would call greater and I believe he's talking about the noticeability of those things. He, he then says they're not more important than the other parts. But then he tells us in the, in the last couple of verses, he says, uh, you know, are all apostles, the, the obvious, and this is a rhetorical question, the obvious answer is no. no they're not, all of us are not apostles, all, all of us are not prophets, all of us are not teachers, only some of us. In other words, there's no gift besides the gift of salvation 
that is given to all members of the body. There isn't a universal gift. There are some things we should be practicing, like hospitality and loving each other and uh, sharing the gospel and so forth, but they, they, these gifts are not, none of these is given to everybody. Why? So that we should depend on each other and honor each other. And likewise, nobody gets all the gifts. Only Christ had the full armor, the full artillery of God. He, he was the only sinless one. He was the Messiah. But all of us, none of us have all the gifts. So even the most gifted people have to depend on the rest of the body to, to fulfill their Christian life and to walk in the, in the plan that God has for them. So there are greater gifts. We know in the parable of the talents, one man was given five bags of gold, one man was given two bags of gold, and one man was given one bag of gold. You know, God is not fair in the human sense of the word. God does not treat us all equally. It says that they were given these gifts according to their ability, which means that different people have different abilities. We have different intellect. We have different emotional intellect. We have all kinds of differences. So what he's saying here is that uh, no gift is going to be given to everyone. We have to depend on each other. And they vary uh, in the size and their impact. But they're all equally valuable. They're all equally honored. They're all equally required for the body to be the body that it should be. That makes sense? So he's calling us at the end to continue to seek the greater gifts. And it's because he wants, he wants people who are hungry, he wants obedient people who will, in fact, seek the greater gifts. But then we realize that, according to Paul's teaching, that, that we're not all going to get them, but we're all to seek them. And what is that? I think that is the dependence on the Holy Spirit to be all that we can be. And it requires humility. It requires patience. It requires honoring of the others in the body. And then uh, we may get these gifts, and we may not. It's up to the Holy Spirit as he determines. So we go on seeking. We go on walking with God. We go on uh, together loving each other, and pouring out what we do have for the benefit of all of us. And that's uh, Paul's uh, analogy that points to this spectacular vision for how the Lord Jesus, who's the head of the body, wants us connected to him and functioning on the earth according to his direction, according to his purposes, according to his will, and we know as we do that, it will be a manifestation of the love of God to those around us and I believe even to the, to the world at large. So that is the, the, the plan for unity and diversity. Now I want to give you a practical way to think about this. On the left, uh, I've outlined two primary how and why to use our gifts. So... Uh, the, there are two broad categories, I believe. One is to serve in my spiritual gifts uh, where I'm going to have 
according to the scriptures, I'm going to have my greatest influence as God wants me to have that influence. That's in my giftedness. But I think there's a ton of scriptures that are alluded to in chapter 12, and we'll unpack them later, that says we should also be willing to serve uh, where there is a need in humility, even if it's not our primary gifting. But if we see uh, a fellow member of our body suffering, we should take action. We should serve. Or if there's an unmet need, we should uh, step into that. So it's, it's not all just, you know, work in your giftedness and forget the rest. I think there's a, a call in our lives to, yes, work in our giftedness. That's the greatest benefit to the body but then also to meet needs and serving in humility. So that deals with a little bit of the how and the why of spiritual gifts. And then as you look at the matrix up there, as we think about uh, where we would serve in our gifts, I, I believe we are to start in our own home. I believe then uh, we are to move out into our church family and serve there. And then I believe we're called to the world. We're called to be salt and light in the world. What is the world? The world is your school. The world is your neighborhood. The world is your marketplace, your, your co-workers. Uh, the world for some may even be to enter government service if they're called by the Lord. But, but you see it moves out. The love of God, the presence of God is relentless and it continues to move out as he moves out to take more and more and more territory for his kingdom. And so he works through us. So that's some of the wares you might think about. And then what? Um, you will see uh, sometimes you have passions and sometimes you have concerns. And I think it's important to differentiate because we can't do everything we're concerned about. We have to, we, we're finite, so we have to be selective and, again, led by the Spirit. So I filled this chart in for myself, uh, and I just want to use it as an example. So in the home, I lead, I teach, I pray, I disciple, and I encourage. Uh, those are my main spiritual gifts. But I also wash toilets, I wash dishes, I do the vacuuming, I take out the trash, and I plan trips, because that's something that Marianne is less excited about doing. Uh, she, when she does plan a trip, when, when she does plan a trip, it's awesome, but that's usually my, my thing, and these are not my spiritual gifts. They're just needs that make our family run. Um, in the church, I, I use the same gifts in the church, and then I might add, um, in concert with Marianne, that we, uh, we have been given the gift of giving, so we love to give. I also, uh, on Sunday mornings, will walk around the building and pick up the trash. You know, there's all kinds of stuff goes on here in the weekends, and I don't want people driving into the building and be full of trash, and our custodian has the day off, so I walk around and pick up trash. Um, I like to greet out front. You know, since COVID, we, haven't, we don't have a lot of greeters right now available, so I like to go out front and greet. And I'm like the info bank. I can't tell you how many times I get a phone call. Hey, Dennis, do you know so-and-so's number? Or do you know this email or whatever? I'm the info bank. That's, that's like, you would be, you'd be surprised how often that happens. Stop doing that. <laughs> and then in the world, I've got, I love marketplace. I love young dads who are in the marketplace. I love to 
I was there once. I know what that's all about. And I have a heart for young dads to come into the kingdom and to, to know Christ and to run their families according to Scripture. Uh, and then I love uh, what God is doing in multiplying disciple-making movements. And for us, uh, that has been happening in Nigeria. So my passions relate to some of my gifts, uh, leading the Cincinnati Prayer Canopy, uh, mentoring younger pastors, uh, a disciple-making movement going on in Nigeria. I love Israel. I believe that the believers in Israel, okay, the Jewish believers who, in Acts chapter 15, welcomed us into the church and admitted that they couldn't even handle the law, and they said, you guys come in, and here's all you got to do. They made it simple for us. They welcomed us into the body of Christ. I believe we now have a responsibility to the believers in Israel. One of the reasons we take trips is to awaken people to the scriptural importance of knowing the body of Messiah in the land of Israel and what they're up against and blessing them and working with them. That's my love for Israel and for these two over here especially. And then families. I love families. I love encouraging families. Um, and so in the, in the non-gifted areas for the, for the world, I meet and bless my neighbors. I pray for them. I pick up trash in my neighborhood. There's a theme here. I'm not OCD. I just don't like trash. Uh, and then in the passions, I, I get involved in admin work and scheduling and meetings and uh, admin work and following up on people, which drives me crazy. Uh, and counseling. I'm really not a very good counselor. I can give counsel as a mentor, but counseling involves like this multi-week journey with a, pay, with a, with a, a, a brother or sister uh, or a marriage, and that's just exhausting to me. Uh, but when there's a need, I give it my very best. I'm not trying to discourage you from seeking me for counsel, but that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the reality. Okay, so I've got, I've got, can you go back to the blank one, Michael? So I've got copies of this blank chart, and it may just seem overwhelming at the beginning, but like, as you start to figure out what your gifts are, and by the way, you can fill in gift inventories that are available online, but I think the better way is to be in a small group and ask your small group what your gifts are, or ask your family what your gifts are, or have people pray over you and, 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 and give you a word from the Lord about what your gifts are. So that's a practical thing you can pick up, start thinking about that. Uh, and obviously, you know, there are times in our lives where we can barely hang on to what's going on at home, and that's fine. Uh, stay at home, work at home. It, its priority starts on the left, and it works its way out. And serve in the church, and then go on as God equips you and shows you and helps you fully manifest the gifts that he's given you for his glory. Make sense? Okay, with that, um, I'm going to invite Ofer up to uh, share with us. Brother, would you welcome him? Yeah? Yeah. And when you're done, stay up because um, we'll, there's going to be testimonies and maybe we can 
you know, encourage people or whatever. So, all yours. Wait a minute. I'm not that short. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I think it's very humble and loving of Pastor Dennis to include me in his teaching. I really do. I never get a chance to hear him. Whenever I ask him in Israel to teach, they're too tired because of all of the traipsing around Israel. They do, so it's a joy to hear him teach. In fact, I went on the website so that I can hear Pastor Dennis and Pastor Jamie teach, so I know what they're talking about. Um, and it's a delight for us to be here. It really is. You're generous, you're loving, and... We are grateful for it, for your friendship. Um, I want to read one uh, verse from John 4. It says this, For he whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure to him, unto him. This is Jesus. And Pastor Dennis just mentioned that that upon Jesus, I mean, it's, it's inconceivable for us, we don't have tools to be able to comprehend it, that Jesus as the man had the Spirit with no measure. <laughs> and not only that, but that means that he had the fullness of the power and all the gifts that could ever be conceived in him. And that astounds me. Because when I think about that, I think, what did he do with it? What did he do with being, having all the power of the Holy Spirit? What did he do with being the most gifted human on earth? He was human. He was God the Son, but he's also the Son of God. That's hard for us to reconcile. And what he did with it is to give up his life in the love of the Father for us and loving us. That's what he did with his gifts. And that, of course, brings me to the main challenge for us, which is to love. Let the love of God overrule and overpower us. Because the gifts of God, the Holy Spirit, and there can be great gifts, and there have been men who have been, and women who have been greatly gifted, but the only way these gifts remain what they need to be is they flow out in the love of God, the crucified love of God in Christ. You would, you would wonder, well, why would in the world would God choose to work this way? It's very complicated getting all of us to do all that. But the answer is in who God is. The answer is because he is love. Because 
the love of God in Christ through us is the only way in the nature of God to bring us together and to bring us to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Ephesians 4, which is connected to what Pastor Dennis wrote in the end, I mean read, you, you didn't write it, but uh, it was good. <laughs> um, that God appointed these people in the church, you know, apostles and all this, and Ephesians 4 really is a continuation of that unfolding because it says in verse 9, verse chapter 4, now he... Now this he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. That's God's goal. If, if his motive was love, what is his goal? And it's, it continues in this way. And he himself, he himself gave some to be apostles Prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man or a complete man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now he continues and he says this, um, I just go right into the middle of this thought here. Verse 16, from whom, this is Christ, whom the whole body, joined and knitted together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective work which every part does its share. Every part does its share causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. If God is love and the love of God is defined by what we have experienced through the cross and that love is working in us. Romans 5, 5 says that the, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And, and that, if you can, I don't know if I, I'm not a very good chart maker. That's not one of my gifts. I, I uh, you know, Upon Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit came, filled him with no measure, with no limit to his gift and power, except that he always lived by the will of his Father. And he poured himself out to us. And that love now, we have been saved by the blood of Christ. And the Holy Spirit has filled us too and will continue to in that same way and manner, and why? So that that love of God could, could come through the members and make for a whole body of Christ. If the foundation is in the love of God, so is the building and so is the consummation of it. And that is meant to bring us into union with him. And there's no other way to describe that union. So God said, it's a bride thing. There's no other way to describe that union with him except through what we understand of marriage. And it edifies itself in love. And then it says, therefore, be imitators 
of God as dear children and walk in love. And can I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, exercising your gifts without reluctance. You see, this is the thing. That if it's love, we cannot withhold ourselves, neither from God or from one another, in the giving of ourselves in that love. That's what it would mean to follow Jesus. And can I say this? I don't know how political or low that isn't, so don't throw it. If you want to throw something at me, just maybe crumple a piece of paper. So, but um, I noticed this from the congregation our congregation, Israel, what I've been reading. You know, regardless of what the origin of all this COVID stuff is and all of what's happened politically, regardless of that, I believe the enemy has used it to separate us and to shatter the very thing that is, that is we are most strong in the love of Christ and we are most vulnerable in that place because, because if we don't see straight, then we will withhold ourselves. We will separate ourselves. And it's, it's an awful thing. It's an awful thing. It's ex against the spirit. So the, the, the spiritual gifts and whatever God wants to give us must be motivated by love as its goal to build up and understand that the fullness of Christ could never be any other way but through the whole body. And if it's a church... You know, a body can, can uh, function with all kinds of ills. But to really be a healthy body, it must have all its members. See this. Understand, experience the love of God. Willing to embrace whatever it is that God is asking you to do. And I totally... Uh, 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 agree with Pastor Dennis, it's wonderful to pick out trash. I mean, we, we do it in the church all the time. In our church. We are the custodians. We're the pastors, we're custodians, we're the greeters. We're <laughs> but it's, 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 it's a humbling of ourselves because we are aware of the love of God and how He has loved us and the Spirit just sheds it abroad all the time in us, in our hearts and out. And so... We need to be aware of this because the gift is not for us at all. At all. It's not, it's, it is for us in this way, that it comes back upon us from others. In other words, when we, when we build together and, our, and, 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 and continue into that fullness of the stature of Christ, we benefit from it. We enjoy it. We have fellowship. And we grow in the knowledge of God this way. To end this, I want to read to you something that I just read in a book. I'm reading a book about the American Puritans. And uh, so John Winthrop, who was the governor of uh, the Massachusetts colony, uh, Massachusetts Bay Colony, um, he, was, he was not a minister, but as they were departing, um, quite a few ships, they were coming, this is 1630 now, March of 1630, they had received a charter from King Charles I uh, to establish and found a, a colony there, so, but they were all 
godly people who loved God and who, who wanted to live in freedom to worship according to their conscience. Um, they're called the American Puritans. Many of them were English at first, of course. But this is what he said. He actually, you know, they departed. Uh, one pastor preached a sermon, and then John Winthrop preached a sermon called Model of Christian Charity. So I'll call it Mo Model of Christian Love. And so Winthrop called on these men and women to live in a community that would properly exemplify ch Christian charity or Christian love. He implored the people to use their skills and talents on behalf of their neighbors. For the carpenter, farmer, and merchant to all depend on one another and willingly give themselves to the advance of their mutual well-being. Describing them as ligaments of Christian love. <laughs> this is perfect. He employed the analogy of a human body to describe how all individuals must do their part for the mutual benefit of the whole. Those who chose to join this company were to love brotherly without dissimulation. Love one another with a pure heart fervently, and bear one another's burdens. They were to be knit together in his work as one man and treat each other with meekness, gentleness, patience, and liberality. You see how the gifts that God has given us must be exercised in his own nature, character, which is the Spirit of God. They were to delight in each other, make others condition their own, rejoice together, mourn together, labor and suffer together, always having before our eyes our commission and community in the work, our community as members of the same body. Winthrop proclaimed, the eyes of all people are upon us. And this is important because it's exactly what Pastor Dennis said. It's the outflow of these things. Listen to what they understood. Not only to exercise their own liberty and be free, but he said, the eyes of all people are upon us. And if they lived by these principles set forth, the colony would be as a city upon a hill. That is what the enemy has been trying to rob us of. And then he said, that which most in their church churches maintain, sorry, that which most people in their churches maintain as truth in profession only, he said to the, those who are, were departing, we must bring into familiar and constant practice as in this duty uh, as in this day uh, in this duty of love 1630 you can't get more American than this seriously America needs the light that must come from Christ through you but it can't be a fake light it must be practiced lived burning and shining May the Lord make Maramont, 
community church, that kind of a city on a hill. going to ask you to pray, but you just did, so it's good. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So we're going to take a few minutes and open up. Does anybody have a testimony they want to share about the body of Christ? And um, we'll take, uh, we'll take uh, one or two, and then the worship team, you guys can come up, and we're going to segue into communion. Okay, yeah, you two can go. You go first, and then you can go. All right. Thank you, Dennis. Introduce yourself. My name is Erna Mallory, and I want to share the gifts that God has given me three years ago. Uh, I buried my daughter of a drug overdose, and when I got that call and walked into that hospital room, he was there. He, he showed up in a way that I, I, only it was between him and I, only I could experience this. Mm. But he kept showing me his grace and the spirit and his love. I thought I was going to die if I had to bury one of my children. And I would be in the bottom of a vodka bottle. I would just die. I couldn't do this. And he elevated me to a place of peace that I can't even express to all of you how great it was. I wasn't. I didn't have fear. I did. He showed me the beauty in something so horrible that could happen. The beauty in him taking her home. He showed me that she finally knew a father. She finally had peace, love. She. He. I got to see all these visions. Um, I could feel him, and he also kept giving me gifts as I was taking steps. And people kept waiting for me to fall apart. My family, everybody, watch mama, watch auntie, watch mom. They couldn't believe, when's she going to fall apart? Mm. He had me. I didn't have to fall apart. And he showed me. You know, and I thought, wow, this is, was so intense, but it was so uplifting and so a gift I could never put a price tag on. It's great. Just the beauty of that. Mm -hmm. And the beauty that my daughter is in heaven today. And I have moments where I miss her because I'm human, but he doesn't let me sit in it long, and it doesn't destroy me. And I am so grateful. Amen. Thank you, Erna. Thank you. We've got time for one more. Go ahead, Faith. Um, so um, we all know the past couple of years have been really hard with just everything that's gone on. Don't really have to recap it for you. And... For me personally, I have found a lot of growth and encouragement in this community. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, what the heck? <laughs> because um, I've learned that um, God is faithful in our community as we are strong together and as we love one another and look, we're all sinners. And as we sin around one another, um, we can still go grow by God's grace and um how I wanted to start this was, um, I'm so glad I disagree with, like, you guys. I'm so glad that I disagree on some stuff with my community because it's taught me so much over the past year that iron sharpens iron, that being in direct community mm. with fellow believers that don't necessarily believe everything that you do can still teach you that 
um, the fruit of the Spirit is what's important, that as you disagree, are you being kind? Are you showing love? Are you being gentle and peaceful and gracious to those around you? And I feel bolstered now to be in the world and not of the world, and that I can go out and show God's love to other people, people who don't look like me, who don't believe the same things that I do, and I can still promote God's kingdom. And I really feel like um, being around you guys and... um, yeah, just being sharpened by you has made me so strong in that way. And I'm just so thankful to the Lord and, and you guys using all of your gifts of encouragement, of leadership, of teaching um, to grow us. So testimony, thank you all. You've literally mm. all made a difference in the lives of those around you. Thank you. Thank you, Faith. So we're going to... Uh, segue into communion and the text that I read this morning says and now I'll show you the most excellent way and Ofer uh, by the way Ofer and I have not discussed what I was saying or what he was saying but uh, this, this most excellent way is manifested in the cross and as we have communion this morning uh, as we remember the body broken for us and the blood shed for us uh, together um, I I heard the Lord saying this morning, uh, I want to live in you and through you. I want to live in you and through you. And like all the other yous in the New Testament, except for two or three, that is a plural. We have individualized the New Testament uh, as if every you is just singular, but it's not. Most of the yous in the New Testament are plural. So I want to live in you and I want to live through you for my glory. So as we have communion this morning um, to close our time together, I want to encourage, and if you're watching online, uh, please have communion together and, and make this declaration for each other because we're, we're, we, we are serving communion in, in uh, sanitary COVID approach here, but This bread comes from one loaf. This juice comes from one cup. This moment is superintended by one spirit. And this is one body. And not only are we a a local congregation, but that helps us think about the body in Israel and the body in Afghanistan and the body in Haiti and the body in their city because our perspective and our vision is opened up to what God wants to do. So what I would like you to do this morning, usually we, we come up for communion with our husband and wife and our little family. So I want to encourage you today to take communion with one other group, one other family. And I would like you to prayerfully consider a declaration to each other, I am here for you uh, for this body. And make that declaration to each other and look each other in the eye and say, I'm here for you. And that takes us from the sacrifice of Jesus to our faith commitment, which is we're going to depend on one another. We're going to honor one another. Uh, We're going to speak and serve with our gifts and all for the common good uh, as agents of the grace that we have received that we did not earn. So, Father, as we come into this time of Uh, receiving the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are reminded that he is the head and we are the body. 
And I'm asking, Lord, that as we make these declarations to one another, uh, Father, that you would move in our hearts to uh, deeply embed the things we have heard this morning uh, in testimony and the encouragement from Ophir in the scriptures that you, Lord, would touch your body today and honor yourself as we commit to let you live your life in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Communion table is open when you're ready.
Uh, hey, just go ahead and uh, stand and uh, keep praying if you're praying, that's fine. But I just want to send us off with the blessing today. Uh, and I, I want to take that from 1 Peter chapter 4. And I would like us as a body to speak this over each other. Uh, and, and remember uh, uh, the words as they are spoke. I just received a testimony from someone who experienced that when we read the Word of God in this church, it comes to her uh, in multiple voices. Uh, and it's, it's like the authority of the councils of heaven are speaking to her. Uh, when one person is reading the Word of God, it's coming to her like in, you know, a, a, an orchestra of sound from not only uh, the Lord, but the heavenly beings around the throne that are speaking the Word of God. So let's speak this over each other. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And just as an encouragement, uh, this week we prayed for Linda Barnhill's father who had a stroke, who was not able to do anything, and he is now back to full normal, uh, and he's home. He's at home. So the prayers of the body of Christ were answered in the case of Linda's father. So be encouraged and go and bring this kingdom, bring your gifts to those around you and... Uh, be blessed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have a great week. Amen.